Building wealth isn't just about hustle and grind. Every day, huge deals are being made and a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward. Building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. What makes them different? They chose to break away, to build a mindset of abundance, to spot opportunities others overlook. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big, and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the founder of Create Tailwind and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back to the Breakaway Wealth Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and uh, today with me is Daniel Amaduri. Did I say that right, Daniel? You did, sir. And uh, Daniel's the co-founder of Future Money Trends Letter and is a self-made millionaire. And he uh, says uh, a proud father of three. Uh, boys, girls, what's, what's the ages, Daniel? I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old uh, girls, and then I have a nine-year-old boy. Awesome. That's great ages. You know, I'm on my third wave. I have 30, 29, 20, and a 10-year-old granddaughter that lives with me. So um, I figure after three waves, I'm, I'm getting to be a better parent at 53 years old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, Daniel, tell me just a little bit about uh, your upbringing, uh, how you got interested in money, um, your business. My, I understand that you you know, you've always had success. You've never had any failures or any setbacks. No, I've had a lot of setbacks, but uh, I, I was always fascinated with money as a kid. I loved taking a clean sheet of paper and then allocating where my savings was going to be go or where my income would go and uh, would get in trouble. Five years old, my mom, I got in trouble because I had dragged a lot of the stuff out of our garage and I was selling stuff without anybody's permission on a Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> I got in trouble at school for selling pencils for nine cents because the teacher was selling his for 10. Um, and then it ultimately led to me starting my, or buying into my first business at 16, buying my first stocks at 17 under my dad's name. And then uh, ultimately buying my first rental property at 18. And um, fortunately, which was nice, I did have a lot of success early on, but it ultimately leads to a massive blow up because when you're young and successful and you're not making enough mistakes, um, you tend to be overly confident, and that's what happened to me. Wow. And so that was back in the 2008 uh, um, time period? Yeah. So, I mean, I was knocking on doors buying foreclosures in 2007 in California. Yep. And I was smart enough to see that there was something bad happening, uh, coming. And I did a YouTube channel. That's how kind of future money trends I'm starting and I predicted, you know, six months before AIG, Lehman Brothers, all these things going to happen because I saw the stack of notice of defaults getting bigger and bigger. But because of the success I had, I was thinking I was smart and I was not realizing I was in a bubble. And um, you can imagine what it would do to somebody. You buy a Southern California property, your first one at 18 years old when, you're, when it's the year 2000. By 2006, you're kind of thinking you're pretty smart and not realizing you were in a parabolic bubble, the biggest one in 100 years in real estate. And so anyway, leads to me completely scorched earth on my life financially, foreclosures, short sales, people squatting in homes and not even able to do anything about it because they didn't have any resources or money left and owing relatives money. And by 2008, end of 2008, uh, early 2009, my wife and I were sitting in a bankruptcy attorney's office. Uh, we never filed bankruptcy, but that's, that's how bad it was. It was, it got ugly. All right. So then you, you get kicked in the teeth 
you know, and, uh, you know, what was it inside of you or what did, what brought, what emotions or mental just focus came out of that? And, and how did you turn it around? And what I love about your story is it didn't take forever. And sometimes I get people that might be in their 60s and they're thinking, well, it's too late for me or, you know, I'm in their 50s. It's too late for me to break away. But you did it very quickly. So tell me about that. So since I was young, I had always felt that I was destined, that wealth was going to happen. Not for materialistic sake. I've never desired to be this materialistic king. I just liked the idea of being free. I hated yeah. the idea of, of having to work uh, for somebody else. Um, so I'll be honest with you. I went into a deep depression in uh, 2009 and I gave up. And I, I'm, it's shocking for me to even say that because I just do not give up. And uh, I gave up. And uh, without my wife, I don't know what would have happened to me. Um, I threw in the towel. I um, went and got a job at a grocery store thinking the economy was in depression, never going to do real estate again. And I went in and I started working at nights at a grocery store and totally let go of entrepreneurship and investing for several months. And um, luckily, I had started the hobby as a YouTube channel because I was still doing those videos every Friday, which would keep me tied into my original passion. And over time, it was my wife's desire and my wife's passion and her encouragement that got me to at least dust myself off and get up. And it's funny, when I finally did get up, I still was all messed up because my goal was not even to get wealthy anymore. My goal was to just not be poor. So it was mm -hmm. a, it came from a scarcity mindset that, look, I just don't want to be poor. And that was, but little did I know now going back in hindsight, I realized what I had actually done was actually not, not dumb. It was actually quite smart. What I did was I made a very easy, achievable first step. And it was followed by a second step and a third step that ultimately leads me to where I am today. That's awesome. I mean, you know, one thing that you say that, and I had a lot of friends that were in real estate in uh, that, that same time frame. And uh, what I hear from a lot of people that I talk to is, oh, I was in real estate in, you know, 2008 hit and I don't want to ever be in real estate again. But what you just said there is probably one of the traits that is the reason that you are so successful and that it hasn't taken you a long time to do it is you didn't, say, I don't want to be in real estate. You just readjusted, changed your thinking. And even when that scarcity thinking crept in, you didn't let it stay there. Uh, just, just like in the book, As a Man Thinketh, I mean, we're, we're going to get negative thoughts, but we can't let them stay there. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I think that's awesome. And so now, I mean, you're a multimillionaire, financially free. Um, your money's working for you, not you working for, your, for money, right? Yes. Um, it took a long time to do it. Uh, at least in my mind, it took a long time, right? But uh, yeah, it was relatively short um, as far as my age and, you know, from basically dusting ourselves off to 2012, um, I had those initial steps. Like uh, my mind, I was like, I want to become, uh, I want to pay off the house and have the, the, the passive income pay for everything. And by 2012, check. Then I was like, okay, I want to be a millionaire. That happened really relatively short after that. And then, you know, you're kind of like just, just making your goals and, and you, you, you're, you'd be surprised if, if once you're focused on something, how it can happen. Now, my wife, we did crazy things though to save money. I'm not going to lie. We didn't, we're, I'm not one of those people where I'm like, you know, spend, spend, spend your way to wealth. Right. I, we slashed our way to wealth. Uh, we slashed our wealth, slashed our way to a great foundation, which allowed us to build on that. And even in times of, of great wealth, 
I, we always say, my wife and I always say, our, our lifestyle has lagged our income by two years. So even as a millionaire, I was driving a 2003 Nissan Altima. Um, you know, it took to probably get to the north of $5 million range before I went out and bought my Escalade that I love. You know, that's right. So you know what's interesting about that? Uh, Northcote uh, Parkinson, he has uh, the um, Parkinson's Laws. I don't know if you've ever read that book, but he says that... Um, uh, expenses rise to equal income, right? And um, in Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, Nelson says, if you can't beat Parkinson's laws, you might as well dig a hole and jump in. And so that's another thing that stands out to me, Daniels, that you, um, that you did beat Parkinson's laws because you said, hey, we're going to make sure we live b- b- below our, our means and and so that we can get ahead and you know books like the richest man in babylon and i mean they all give you that advice to do that but most people in our society can't do that that's why they stay part of the herd that's why they don't understand money and they you know and 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 they just they live their whole lives like that in a what we call the reassuring lie sure um so when you think about money Obviously, you knew about money when you were young, you, you know, undercutting the teacher for a penny on the, on the pencils and, hey, you know, you were figuring out, hey, how am I going to make money? Who, who taught you that? What did your, you know, did your, were your parents entrepreneurs or were they W-2 employees or? My mother was a stay-at-home mom. My father was a W-2 employee. Um, I don't know where the entrepreneur spirit came for me. Uh, yeah. My father taught me the discipline of not spending more than you earn and saving money. That definitely came from my dad. Um, I, somebody gave, I came across a mentor uh, at the age of 13, a very wealthy real estate investor and business owner. And he really helped uh, as far as a personal guide um, into my 20s. And then the biggest influence on my life, though, was Robert Kiyosaki's book, um, uh, it was called Want to Be Rich and Happy, Don't Go to School. And of course, as a 13-year-old boy, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. So I bought that book. Yeah. Um, and then I want to say like two years later, he came out with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And of course, read that book in Cashflow Quadrant. And actually, uh, was, I'm thrilled. I actually got to speak to Robert Kiyosaki for the first time about two months ago. And it was, it was, I was awesome. able to tell him all of this. You know, um, I love Kiyosaki's books. Probably, uh, you know, the uh, I think it's still the latest one, "How the Rich Get Richer," or um, is is great. Second Chance, I love Second Chance. Sometimes people don't read Second Chance because they think, "On well, my 30s, I don't need a second chance. I just need my first chance." Well, that's, you know, read the book because that's that's not really the message. Um, but it's, uh, you know, Kiyosaki. I love when the Wall Street people you know, rip Kiyosaki because he's just breaking away from wall street. You know, I mean, he doesn't want anything. I mean, I'm, you know, he, you know, he, he understands that that game is rigged, but um, so that's awesome that you got to, uh, uh, to talk to him. So, you know, uh, we, a lot of times we have mentors and we have people that teach us things that we never meet. Right. I mean, Robert Kiyosaki would have had this impact on your life, whether you talk to him or not. Um, you know, Tony Robbins. I mean, there's a lot of people that I could say that have impacted my life that, you know, I probably never will talk to, but they, they've really uh, helped. But if, if you were going to give somebody advice who said, okay, in the next three to seven years, I want to make a huge impact on my wealth. What would, the, what, what, what advice would that be? Only buy something that sends you a check. Just try doing that for a year. 
or gosh, if you do it seven years, you'll be financially independent by the seventh year. Right. Only buy things that it either an ACH deposits coming to you every one to three months or a check is coming to your mailbox. If you just did that, yeah. I think that would be probably the best advice I could give anybody. In fact, I have it in the homeschool room for my children, uh, financial life codes to live by. There's seven of them. And one of them is it's all cap lock by cash flowing investments. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm sure as a Kiyosaki fan, you play cash flow with your kids. I mean, there is cash flow for kids, the, for the younger ones. Sure. We have two uh, games constantly going. So the four and seven year old are playing the younger version. Yeah. Uh, it's on the kitchen. And we actually eat at our, our granite countertop yeah. uh, in the kitchen, like the, where the sink is because there are nonstop never ending cash flow games going on. Isn't that great? Uh, yeah, so we, we're, we're big into uh, that and, and Monopoly, and those are very important because if you think about it, that is teach, the cash flow game specifically is teaching your kids the rules of the rich and how the rich think. If they play a game like life, it teaches them the rules of the middle class and how the middle class sees life. So it's actually kind of unhealthy to teach them that game called life, but very healthy, in my opinion, to teach them cash flow because that is totally changing the mindset of how money can work for them. You know, it, I, I love what you just said there, Daniel, because uh, I agree with you 100%. And, um, you know, I've, I, uh, I, before I discovered cash flow, I love Monopoly. And, and uh, I'm not bragging, but I've never lost a game of Monopoly. And the reason is, is that I normally have played with people that don't understand how to play Monopoly. And, and I, and I bankrupt them and I, and I, and I take all their properties and everything else. And nobody in my family likes to play with me because I play to win. Um, but I'm trying to teach them that that's how you play, but cash flow, you know, my, my children are getting better and better and better at cash flow. So, uh, I can't say that I've never lost the cash flow game, but, um, what, what, what we like to say is that in the world of money, there are people out there that are so good at playing the game that you don't even know they're playing like the banks, like wall street, like the government. And, and, and so we, you know, how do you, how do you combat that? I mean, I, you talked about the cash flow, flow quadrant, you know, what, what's some things that you could give people out there, like how to, how to play the game the way the big boys are playing the game. You know, I think the first thing to acknowledge is, is that the big boys are making their money from fees and from the business of the stock market, not necessarily the stock, the trading the stocks. They make a ton of yep. money from selling products and investment vehicles for other people. Uh, I literally just put out an article this morning. I don't even know if it's on the website. It certainly went to the email list, but uh, it talks about how one of the biggest things I could, I could give people is just to understand that the financial industry is there to preserve and make money for itself. You know, they kind of give you your 30 year plan, which is 30 years of fees for them. Yep. But at the end of the 30 years, it's on you and they'll kind of just shrug their shoulders. Maybe your broker's passed away, maybe he's retired, or maybe he just says, ah, we did everything right. I don't know, it should have been like, you know, maybe it'll be like the 2008 excuse, right? Oh, we, we did everything right, we diversified. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the things uh, in answering your question is just, first of all, acknowledging that there is an entire business about getting you to buy their stocks and give them their money and professionals, uh, whether it's on wall street or real estate, they typically have pretty decent cash positions and they wait for the right investment to come around. Uh, the average folks and what we're conditioned to believe and do 
is to always stay invested and never have cash, right? If the stock market's down, we need to buy more because it's cheap. If it's flat, it's getting ready to break out. If it's up, it's going to go even higher. And they're always conditioning us to constantly allocate our money to them. And I would just encourage people just to pause, take some money and just do nothing with it for a few months. The richest people on the planet, uh, they'll tell you all the time. I interviewed Jim Rogers years ago and he was telling me, this is one of the smartest things I've ever done is I had a cash position for four years and I waited for the right investment to come along until it was so obvious, his exact words. He goes, it was like there was a pallet of cash sitting in a room empty and nobody was looking. I just walked over and grabbed it. That's, right. how, that's how unbelievable his investment opportunity is. You know, it's really interesting that you say that, you know, um, I've been in the um, wealth coaching business for 30 years, the first 15 years as a traditional financial planner. And you're exactly right. Our whole goal was to get assets under management. And then, um, you know, we had $700 million of assets under management and averaging a little bit less than a point uh, um, advisory fee. And, um, you know, we were doing great until two corrections, early 2000, 2007 and eight. And we did the math for our clients. And even though it seemed like their average rate of return was over 9%, their actual rate of return was closer to three because of our fees and everything else. And, and, and you're right. And, you know, financial planning doesn't work because here's the sales pitch of every guy out there. When I say guy, I mean man or woman, by the way, but it's what do you have? Where is it? Oh, I can do so much better than that right? But, you know, to really build wealth, you have to think. So what taught you to think outside the box to break away? Like, like, what would what would what would you tell somebody that says, Daniel, I want to do that, man, but I don't really know how or I don't know where to start. And, and you know, what what advice would you give them? I, I would I would advise them to just start doing it. You know, I bought stocks and learned the hard lessons. Uh, when I wanted to buy real estate, I was 18 years old. Nobody told me, um, you know, that I could even do that. No one ever said, I just did it. Mm -hmm. um, when I blew up my credit in 2008, like I burned it really good. Mm -hmm. So good that I didn't even try to fix it. Still yeah. to this day. I started getting into seller finance deals. I have purchased nothing but seller finance deals for 12 years. And wow. now I'm selling my deals as seller finance deals. And it's all because where the world said no, I just found a way. You just have to just find your way. And uh, whether you're investing in stocks or commodities or, or real estate or starting a business, I would say the biggest rut people get into is over preparation. Get out there and just do it. The best yeah. place to learn is right on the front lines of whatever you're doing. Yeah, they're getting ready to get ready, right? That's what a yeah. lot of people do and they don't take action. Um, and, you know, um, I, I know that... Uh, one of the things that we do at Create Tailwind, which is uh, a firm that I own, and um, and, um, and we're passionate about uh, giving edu and educating people and giving back, giving value to people about how to build wealth and how to take control of the banking function in their lives. And, and we show people how to leverage, even if they have to use a bank, how to leverage even their down payment and use other people's money for that. Now the, the seller finance, um, I, uh, had a, uh, one of my clients as a guest a few weeks ago and he bought a property two that they wanted 2 million bucks for. Um, he negotiated it for 1.4, 100% owner finance, 20 years, 5%, $30,000 a month cash flow. He, you know, being super conservative, 
he, he, the maximum he could have with debt load and everything is 22,000. So there's eight grand. He has no money in it. So what's his rate of return? It's infinite. Infinite. Yeah. Right. By the way, if I owned a hundred of those, why would I ever retire? I don't have to retire. I'm not working now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's hard to explain to people because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm 37 right now and I'm like, should I, you know, for two years, I was like, man, should I do some sort of retirement thing? But I was like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. I mean, look, I, I'm having too much fun. Right. And uh, why would I ever want to stop investing in real estate, what, doing these seller finance deals? Or I love partnering with the, in the stock market. I like getting invited to these, you know, there's a gold mine tour or something. I have to go see the gold mine and maybe I invest, maybe I don't. I'm having too much fun. And I think a lot of people, um, in, in my opinion, you become financially free so that you can choose what you want to do. But I don't think anybody's ever going to want to stop working. That's, that's growth. That's life. You know, you yeah. want to have something constructive that you're passionately doing and, and enjoying your life. Absolutely. You know, I have a, um, I'm going to Florida on Saturday to our house in Florida. And my wife would say, hey, could you just take a week and sit on the beach and, and just relax? And I can do that for about three hours. Yeah. And, and maybe for about two days, I can like turn the phone off and not check my email. But I get bored after just a couple of days and I'm, and I'm looking for something to do. So I'm 53. I can't imagine, um, you know, stopping at 63 or 73 or even 83 because, you know, it's fun. Like you said, if you're having fun, you know, if we, if we were professional golfers, we'd never want to retire because we'd be having fun if we loved to play golf, right? Sure. I mean, look at Warren Buffett and Charlie Munker. They're having a blast. Or Tony yeah. Robbins. Tony Robbins has created extraordinary wealth owning businesses and being an investor, but he's not a business owner or not a business operator, and he's not a professional investor. His life passion is the coaching and the seminars that he does. That's what he lives and breathes for. Uh, but in the meantime, he's got all these other things that do quite extraordinary for him where he's able to maintain his lifestyle, but really do his passion, whether he, I'm sure he makes a lot of money off coaching now, but if, if anybody knows his story, I mean, there are times where he would sell a, you know, a $700,000 seminar and it would cost him a million dollars. He was losing money doing his seminars. Right. And luckily he's still around and he's, he's able to do these amazing uh, conferences that he hosts. But it goes to that, that point where you become financially free, you focus on it, not listening to Wall Street because that's not going to happen, uh, but really focusing, consciously doing it. And it's so that you can do what you want to do, not so that you can just go sit on the beach, which you could if you want, but I doubt you're going to want to do that for very long. Absolutely. So, you know, um, Daniel, you said in, in part of your uh, uh, bio, you talk, act like the bank. Now, there are a lot of people out there, you could call it infinite banking, privatized banking. There's a lot of things out there, but just in general, just that behavior, what do you mean by that, act like the bank? You know, if, if you think about it, you want to mimic the wealthy, mimic the rich. When I wanted to be a great publisher, I started mimicking the publishers that I, I liked or writers. And same thing with investors. When I want to be a great investor, I started mimicking those investors. But in general, people are not mimicking the banks. They're buying a, more, a, ho a home and calling it an asset if it has a huge liability. Uh, and meanwhile, the bank, that mortgage is in their asset column. So when I say thinking like the bank, not only am I talking about the uh, whole life and and uh, infinite banking concepts by Nelson Nash, but I'm also talking about uh, buying things that yield. Banks don't really speculate. You're not going to find banks um, buying, you know, homes because they think they're going to go up. 
banks buy assets that cash flow. So whether you're buying notes or bonds or a dividend paying stock or a business, banks and the, you know, the, the world's richest, they buy things that make them money. It's as simple as that. You know, yeah, no, I think that's a great point. You know, also what we tell people is that infinite banking isn't about a product. It's about your behavior. It's about how you act and how you think. And, um, you know, when you look at a bank, when we do kind of an overview for people of what we do at Create Tailwind is we ask people is when you deposit money in the bank, is that an asset or a liability of the bank? 99% of the people say it's an asset, which is wrong, right? They take your money and loan it to somebody. The loan is the asset. Yeah. The other thing that we ask them is when you make your mortgage uh, payment every month, what does the bank do with that money? And you know what they sometimes say? They invest it. And we say, no, a bank doesn't invest money. They loan it out. Yeah. Right? They loan it out over and over and over. And in economics, we call that creating velocity of money. Now, to, to me, just on the outside, velocity of money sounds like something I want to know how to make happen, right? If I can create velocity with my money, and that's really acting like the bank, is you go buy a piece of property, it cash flows, you don't need the mo all, that, all of it, right? You flow it back into your banking system and you loan it back out to go buy more and you go buy more and you go buy more until your cash flow exceeds your ideal standard of living, right? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a huge believer. Any listener, I mean, man, they have to call you immediately to set this up. Just let you guys know, I have 16 of those policies and my kids all have two each. That's I'm awesome. A huge believer in what you're just talking about right now. That's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, obviously your attitude um, and your not listening to the noise of Wall Street and the noise of the world made a huge difference. What are, what are some books that you would recommend? Um, you know, obviously Tony, you're Tony Robbins fan, a Robert Kiyosaki fan. But what are one, two, or three books uh, that you would, said, would just say is essential reading to break away? I think everybody should start with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I know we mentioned it, but seriously, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow Quadrant are probably the two most important books <laughs> I tell people. Anybody who turns 16 years old in my life, I always give them the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book because it is such an essential uh, thing where he breaks down. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad actually was started out as the manual for the game Cashflow. Yeah. Um, and it became the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it, and, and it is. Uh, that those two books are probably the most important books. And then from there, you know, if you want to be a, a great real estate investor or a stock investor, there are different books in each topic. But in, in general, I would encourage people to really focus on, on attending conferences and seminars, not necessarily because you're going to get so much information out of the guru or you want to be pitched uh, something. There's a lot of more pitchathons because you wanna be around the people that go to those conferences. Right. Uh, when you think about your own life, most of your friends, if not all, most of your family, if not all, are, they're not gonna follow you on this path. They're not going to make a single sacrifice. They're not gonna change anything. They're not, they're, they're, they're just no intentions. They're not gonna do it. So you want to surround yourself with those like-minded people, which is one of the reasons why I love the Tony Robbins organization, uh, because you're in a room full of people who want to break out, who want to better their lives. That alone is worth the cost of admission. Just being around a bunch of people who are like, screw the status quo, I want more out of life. Right. Man, that is worth $5,000 to be around those people for four days. You know, you're right. And the relationships that you develop there, you know, not like you said, not going there to try to pitch what you're doing or anything else, but just the friendships that you make. And when you, when you, when you go at it as a 
uh, a go giver, like from the book, go giver, right? And you say, um, well, what can I do to help that person, right? You know, hey, Daniel, is, let me know a little bit more about what you're doing so that I might be able to refer people to you. Yeah. Is, is when you get into a room of people that are trying to make an impact and then you are there with just an open mind and, and an attitude of abundance, like, hey, I'll share with you everything that I'm doing because you're going to come back to me with something that I didn't think of and our creative uh, power is going to just expand. Um, you're right. I love going, I hate going to the meetings. No, not Tony Robbins, but like if I'm going to a think tank or a mastermind, the meetings are my least favorite. Whoever's presenting, great. Sometimes they're, they're wonderful, but it's the conversations in the hallway that make it all worthwhile. Absolutely. And then just getting back to the books, I, I, because we yeah. did mention Kiyosaki, one of my all-time favorite books, and it's like the core of our homeschool program, is The Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Love yeah. that book. Yeah, that's, me, that's like great that you're, you're – so you're teaching your kids this, which, you know, if – in, in, uh, I know I, knew, I do that. Uh, other people that have children at Create Tailwind, and we try to encourage our clients. You cannot let society teach your kids about money because they're going to teach them lies or they're not going to teach them at all. And well, we, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, yeah. you, you're, you're, you came from the middle class, I'm assuming? Um, so, I, I, I grew up in Inglewood, California, if you're familiar oh. with Inglewood. So middle class. Well, I know Inglewood. That's up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, most of us listening to this either came from the middle class or might be in the middle class now. I don't know, that when, you, when you talked about the kids, it's so important. Why would I want my kids to go through the same struggles that I just went through? I want to hand them the baton of knowledge and say, yeah, so when you talk about teaching the kids, man, I, I would hate for the kids to have to go through the same thinking that I had to break free from. So I'm not even, they're not even going there. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, they're scared to death of the rat race. Right. Well, and they, and you know what, they should be because you, that is not where you want to, where you want to be. And I'll tell you that one of the impacts for me when I was little is I, uh, when I was 13, I worked in a casket fam uh, factory swinging a hammer and uh, the guy that owned the casket fan, uh, the casket company, um, it was for hardware on caskets. His name was Dwayne McIntyre. He lived in Palos Verdes. I lived in Inglewood and I thought, what does he know that I don't know? Or what does he know that my parents don't know? And that's where my passion came to say, well, I got to find out and, uh, and, 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 and kind of started that lifelong study of money. But yeah. we're all motivated, like Tony Robbins says, by pain or pleasure and pain's the stronger motivator. In 2008, you were kicked in the teeth, down for the count, and you even, like you said, felt like you were down for the count and you fought back. And that's really impressive and really cool. And uh, man, I really appreciate your time and uh, and 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 um, your uh, uh, sharing all of this. And what if people want to know more about what you offer and how you help guide? And one of the things I love is the first thing that you say is that that you want to create value for people and and give back. So tell me how how can people know more about what you do and what you can help them with? Um, if you guys go to futuremoneytrends.com. Uh, each week, I share something called the Weekly Wealth Digest, and it's usually something my wife and I went through and learned, or it's something that I've, I've, I've recently learned or experienced. And I like to share real-life situations as well as the thing that I'm actively buying. So if I'm buying a property that's got a foundation problem, I like to share things because a lot of times, maybe you're not going to do the same thing I'm going to do, 
but it might inspire or give you the idea. So uh, we send about two emails a week. Again, it's free. There are advertisements on the website, so that's how it's monetized. But if you go to futuremoneytrends.com, you can subscribe for free to the Weekly Wealth Digest. Awesome. And the book's coming out when? Uh, should come out in the next 30 to 45 days here. We're pretty much buttoning up the end, the end of it here. Awesome. Well, when that book comes out, I want to buy a, um, a, a bunch of copies and I'll give them out to our listeners. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll mention it in a, in a future podcast because I like to give something away. At, at, um, and so um, um, it's just going to, you're going to have to, if you're in the audience and you really want that book, which I want to read your book, is um, you're going to have to uh, be patient uh, for another 30 to 45 mm -hmm. days. And as soon as it becomes available, uh, Create Tailwind will buy some books and and we'll, uh, we'll give them away in some kind of offer. So I'll make sure you get some books, uh, and I really appreciate it, and I think you're gonna love it. The book is called Don't Save for Retirement. Half of it is basically my journey, what we did, and yep. the other half is kind of what we're doing now. Awesome, yeah, retirement is definitely rat race. So we gotta get out of the rat race, we gotta break away. Daniel, thank you so much. We'll talk thank to you, you soon, and thanks for helping everybody out there. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.